Cool. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to a, a Spotify podcast episode with a good friend of the show, uh, David Hurt. Previously on... Oh, hi, David, how are you? Not bad, sir, not bad. Good, glad to hear it. On previous shows, previous recordings, we spoke about uh, the significant periods in Rangers histories, uh, Rangers history, uh, to coincide with the 150th anniversary. So I hope you've uh, had a chance to listen to, to them. Please go on to the, the channel and listen to some episodes because they're absolutely fantastic and such a privilege and pleasure to have David alongside us again. Today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, this recording is to coincide with Remembrance uh, Weekend and obviously Rangers have got historical, cultural significant links to military, uh, both past and present. So alongside Armed Forces Day, uh, Remembrance Weekend is a very important event and not only the clubs but the country's calendar as well. So uh, David, I believe you've prepared uh, some Fascinating information on Rangers' links to the Great War. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll we'll stick to the Great War of 1914 to 1918 tonight, Gordon, because um, there's there's so many different stories associated with that that war that uh, Rangers players had had a part in. Um, uh, we'll see how the how this goes. But we could easily have a second one for for the Second World War if, if you if you want to. Okay, so obviously I will kind of, I don't know if you're going to talk about this in a minute, uh, but I know that Walter Tully. Uh, Walter Tully, yeah. Walter Tully, he's, uh, he, he obviously broke off. He, he If you'll go back and listen to uh, one of our previous episodes, uh, you'll, you'll find out all about that. But he was obviously involved in World War One when he, just before he signed to Rangers, which kind of had a massive impact on his on his career. Uh, are you going to talk about about him today? Yeah, but tell tell what I'll do, Gordon. Um, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to go through this because okay. I'm 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 kind of doing it in a in a prioritised order because I don't know whether I'm going to run out of time. So okay. I'm 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 going to start with former Rangers players who lost their life in the Great War. Okay. I'm then going to move on to former Rangers players who were decorated for bravery. I'm then going to move on to ex-Rangers players who were injured. And if I've got time after that, I've got a couple of other interesting stories of ex-players during that war. And I'll finish just with a list of names who also served as players and non-players associated with the club. Okay, so I'll I'll start rambling on then, David. I'll pass the, the microphone over to yourself if you want to just get started. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fascinating. So thanks once again, and the floor's yours. Okay, thanks a lot, Gordon. As it, so as I said, um, I'm I'm going to try and cover as much as I can. It's, it's, it's quite a big subject, but um, Rangers in the Great War, 1914 to 1918. So I'm going to start with the story of a few former Rangers players who unfortunately were killed during that horrendous conflict. I'll very, very quickly mention Walter Tull because you, it's hard not to mention him in, in this in, when you talk about this kind of thing. But I've talked to him on a previous podcast, so I'll just very quickly say he played for Tottenham and Northampton. He enlisted in 1914. He took part in the Somme. He suffered shell shock. He suffered trench fever. He was in and out military hospital. Um, he was actually being uh, trained as an officer. He was going undergoing officer training back in Ayrshire um, in 1917 when he signed for Rangers. 
becoming <clears throat> both the first black officer in the army during the war and also the first black player to sign for Rangers. He became a second lieutenant in the Middlesex Regiment and he unfortunately was killed in action in March 1918 before he could ever play a game for the club. I'm not going to go into great detail about Walter Tull simply because there's a podcast yeah. already uh, on, on his his life and legacy. So I'll, I'll move on from Walter Tull. Probably the, the, the first name that people who know a little bit about this would probably expect me to talk about is Jimmy Spears. Jimmy Spears played for Rangers from 1905 to 1908. Uh, 71 appearances, 31 goals. He was a forward. Um, he only ever won one winner's medal with Rangers, which was the Charity Cup. Yeah. He scored twice in the semi-final against Queen's Park. He scored twice in the final against Celtic. So he certainly earned his medal on that. Yeah. He actually had a very, he had a very good goal-scoring record for Rangers. 41 league games, 24 goals. But uh, it was at a time that the Unfortunately, Celtic were dominating the trophies at the time. Uh, he he was became a Scotland international when he was a Rangers player. But 1908, he kind of lost his place in the team. The manager, William Wilton, sort of rebuilt the team a bit to try and challenge for the title. And he moved on to Clyde. He only played one season at Clyde. Uh, scored a few goals for them, took them to the Scottish Cup semi-final, third in the league. That attracted the attention of uh, clubs down south. And he moved to Bradford City of the English First Division in 1909. Uh, by 1911, he was the club captain, uh, and he led them to their highest ever league placing in 1911, which was fifth in the top league. But probably what he's better known for is uh, they made it all the way to the FA Cup final that year, Bradford. Uh, really? where, they played, where they played the holders, Newcastle. So Jimmy Spears was the captain, and after a 0-0 draw, there was a replay at Old Trafford, which Bradford won 1-0, and Jimmy Spears scored the only goal. So not only did he captain Bradford to the, the FA Cup, he scored the only goal in the final when they won it for the first and only time. Wow. Uh, uh, he then moved on to Leeds United. In fact, actually, actually, I think they were called Leeds City back then. I don't think they were called Leeds United. But anyway, he went to Leeds in 1912 for a massive transfer fee at the time. Uh, it doesn't sound much now. 1,400 quid, but that was a heck of a lot of money in 1912. Um, at Leeds, he was a bit of a hero there. He, he scored a lot of goals for them. He scored 31 goals in just 78 games. But he didn't win them promotion. Leeds were a second division team. And by 1915, uh, English football was, was stopped because of the war. Unlike Scottish football, which which the league kept playing, uh, in England the league was, was temporarily stopped. So Jimmy Spears moved back up north to Glasgow, where he was from. Now, by this time, he was 29 years old. He had two small children. He was exempt from military service, so he could have he could have worked in some other uh, industry to help the war effort. But he was determined to enlist. So he joined the Queen's Own Cameron Highlanders in 1915, and he became a Lance Corporal. The following year, 1916, he got injured in the front line, an arm injury in military hospital for a while uh, and he was promoted to corporal. In 1917, he took part in a rather bloody famous battle in, in the Great War, the Battle of Arras, A-R-R-A-S. To give an idea of how horrendous that must have been, on the Allied side alone, 158,000 troops were killed in that. Jimmy Spears Magic. won the military medal for bravery. He won the military medal for bravery during the, that battle. And he was then promoted again to sergeant. Uh, 
He was also given some home leave, so he returned to Glasgow for a little while. And then he went back to the front line in August 1917, where he was sent to the Battle of Passchendaele, which I'm quite sure you've probably heard of, Gordon. That's probably one of the most yeah. famous battles in the Great War, which made that previous one <laughs> pay went a little bit of insignificance because at Passchendaele, 325,000 Allied soldiers were killed. And unfortunately, one of them was Sergeant James Spears. Um, he suffered a... What, what, you, what you might think sounds survivable. He, he was shot in the thigh during an advance in the German lines. Uh, but unfortunately, because of all the shelling that was going on round about, his comrades could not go out and get him back to the trenches. And he died out in, out in the middle, out in no man's land, if you like. Uh, they don't even know the exact date he died. They don't know um, how long he lay there. But it was round about August the 20th, 1917, he lost his life. Because of the way that battle played out, his body was not retrieved until actually after the war finished. They, they retrieved him in 1919, two years later. And he's buried in a, a war uh, cemetery in Belgium. And that war cemetery in Belgium now has a, a beside his grave, there's a memorial silhouette was put there by the Club 1872 with the Rangers supporters uh, in 2017. They did a little okay. ceremony for him over there, but um, the great Wally Henderson uh, spoke, spoke at it. You've probably heard of Jimmy Spears. Uh, Jimmy Spears is possibly the most famous ex-Rangers war casualty, I would think. There's another couple of names that I'm going to throw in here now that you probably haven't heard about. Um, the first one was a chap by the name of Alex Barry, who played for Rangers in season 1907-08. He was a defender. Um, he actually was a, he was a pretty good footballer. He won the Junior Cup when he was young. He was uh, signed by Sunderland, who were one of the best teams in England. Uh, he played for quite a few seasons for Sunderland. Um, he didn't win any trophies with them, but they were good enough to finish third in the league. So they were, they were one of England's be best teams at the time. Returned back to Scotland in 1907 when he joined Rangers, but he was a kind of backup centre half. Um, the season he was there, he, he didn't play as often as he did play. If you like, he, he made 14 appearances. Um, he scored his only Rangers goal, and I went over Hearts. Unfortunately, he also played in a Scottish Cup game that we lost to Celtic. Uh, he then left and joined Kilmarnock after that one season where he played quite regularly for Kilmarnock. He played 126 times for them all the way to 1912. Uh, helped keep them in the top division. And he was 34 by the time he left Kilmarnock in, uh, in 1912. The same war was declared, his football career was basically over. He was he was well into his 30s by then. Um, and he, he enlisted with the Highland Light Infantry in 1914, near the start of the war. He saw active service in the Western Front, he was promoted to corporal, and he actually, this is, this is probably the tragic bit of the story, he actually survived at the front line for the best part of four years. In September 1918, he was transferred to another, another battalion, and he took part in one of the last battles of the war, Battle of Canal du Nord in France, which was part of a, an offensive by the Allied forces. And he was killed in October the 1st during heavy fighting. He was 40 years old by then, and the war ended just six weeks later. 
that's, that's particularly tragic to survive so I know, much. I know, I know. Survive so uh, long is such hard harrowing. I mean, to survive any kind of length of service in the front lines in that particular war was, was hard enough. But to then, to come into the last stages of the war, kind of Germans probably kind of, kind of struggling to, to match the Allies, getting worn down, probably starting to retreat some, some places. And then the war ending six weeks later, that's particularly heartbreaking that uh, yeah. he couldn't, uh, unfortunately... Uh, last out those last 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 few weeks of the war. Just a quick question for me, because uh, that's a couple of players mm-hmm. that have uh, moved around a lot. Because what we mm-hmm. need to remember is that in the early 1900s, it wasn't so easy to up sticks and move. I would have, I would have thought, uh, you know, players didn't earn a lot of money. So it, it says a lot for these players' characters, as well as uh, move, moving their families around to play football. But to then enlist in uh, the armed services is, is amazing as well, because... Uh, the first guy, Spears, hey, obviously had exemptions, but still enlisted, and they went back to the front lines. And then... Uh, yeah, but Alec Barry was the same. Alec Barry was, was well into his 30s by then, which means that he wasn't from the, the generation, if you like, that were the first choice of the army, if you know yeah. what I mean. So, um, it's just, so for me, it says a lot about their, their character as, as well as their bravery. Absolutely. And the next, the next chap, who's a very famous Rangers name, actually, He's got a similar type of story again. His his name, believe it or not, was David Murray. David Murray, <laughs> it's, really? It's not the David Murray. I know, it's not the David Murray. Um, David Murray was a talented all-round sportsman. Um, very good footballer. He was actually very good, um, what, let's call him kind of Highland sports as well. Yeah. And he was also an excellent swimmer. Um, and actually, as a teenager, while he was a junior footballer uh, in Glasgow, he uh, saved someone's life by jumping into the Busby Dam and pulling them out before they drowned. He won an award for the Royal Humane Society at the age of 18 for saving someone's life. Um, not long after that, he was given a contract by Rangers in 1903. He was a fullback, and Rangers were looking for replacements for the next generation of fullback because their two fullbacks, Nicole Smith and Jock Drummond were both reaching the end of their, their Rangers careers, but then Rangers were looking, looking around for the, the sort of next generation of fullback. He played a number of trial games. He played in the reserves. He never played in the first team, though. Um, after his last trial game against Port Glasgow, Rangers decided that they wouldn't extend his contract in the summer of 1903, and they didn't offer him a contract to stay. But someone who did offer him a contract was Everton. So he moved down to Liverpool. But again, he didn't really make the breakthrough at Everton either. He only played a couple of games for them. Uh, he actually won the Reserve League, though. And he moved from Everton uh, in 1904 to Liverpool. <laughs> he moved to the other side of the divide down in Mer- Liverpool had just been relegated. And he was a regular in their second division team who won the, the league in season 04-05, So he won a second division championship medal with Liverpool. But when they got to... Um, they brought in a few new players and they decided that um, David Murray wasn't going to be their first choice anymore. And he wanted to play football, so he left there. He went to Leeds, where he became their captain. He played there for quite a number of years. Um, started the best part of 100 games for them. But again, his career was starting to fade away because by the time the war started, he was playing non-league football. Which again tells you he was, he was at an age that he didn't need to enlist. Yeah. But he did. 
He joined the Argyle and Southern Highlanders in 1915. He was sent to the Western Front in September of that year. And he took part in a battle called the Battle of Luz, L-O-O-S, which is... Heard of that. A, which is a famous battle in military history because it was the first one during the war that poison gas was used. Mm. Now, it became, it became something that was used quite a lot. Well, that was actually the first one. And during that particular battle, David Murray was killed in action. Uh, he was declared dead in December the 10th, 1915. So that was... Well, Within the, less than a year since he actually joined up, he was aged 33. Um, and he's, his name is in one of these memorial panels and uh, where the loose uh, battle took place. He was one of 60,000 British servicemen that died in that particular battle. So some, David Murray. some of the numbers, I mean, we, we get taught, ah, I know. obviously you, you, let, you get taught at school and... You learn, you learn the battles, and uh, you just, you know, you forget about the, the the personal story because when you see, when you read it, it's you know, three hundred and twenty-five thousand deaths, or one hundred and fifty thousand deaths, or sixty thousand deaths. It's like each one of these stories is times sixty thousand. Ah, well, that, that one I talked about earlier on, that three hundred and twenty. I mean, that's that's more than the population of Dundee and Aberdeen and places like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it actually doesn't be a thing about. Um, the, the last person I'm going to mention. Um, it's a slightly different story. Uh, a player by the name of John Fleming. And the reason I want to talk about him because when he died, he actually was still a Rangers player. He was a Rangers player at the time. Um, so John Fleming, he was actually born in this little village in Stirlingshire called Slamanon. And I don't know whether you're going to remember I mentioned that in a podcast a while back. But Rangers' greatest ever goal scorer, Jimmy Smith, was born in Slamanon as well. So there's there's a the Rangers connection to do with that village. Anyway, yeah, John I, Fleming... I, I, would, I would love to say I remember that. <laughs> I know. Maybe be honest here. So, John John Fleming played junior football for a while. He played for a, an Edinburgh team called St Bernard's, who don't exist anymore. They, they were a senior team then. Anyway, he, might, he, he was an inside forward. Um, he attracted the attention of Newcastle, who were one of the big giants English football at the time. And he went. He joined them for two hundred and fifty quid in nineteen eleven. But they were one of the top teams in the country. He struggled to get into their team. He ended up being transferred to Tottenham, where I presume he must have played alongside Walter Tull at some point. Yeah. Um, he joined them for £300. Um, he played reasonably regularly for them. Um, but then the English football, as, as I said earlier on, was suspended. And he came back, he came back up the road. And in 1915, he joined Rangers. Now, when I say joint Rangers, he was still registered as a Tottenham player, but in the war you could play as a guest player. And he joined Rangers as a guest player for season 1915-16. But he only actually played four times for Rangers. He made his debut against Queen's Park in November of 1915, and he scored. He only played three more games because he had... By this time, not only came back up the road, he had also enlisted with the Queen's own Cameron Highlanders, who were, a, and he was a reservist for them. But after just four games for Rangers, he was called up. Um, and he went down to Yorkshire to the Richmond training camp to, for military training before getting sent to the front line. And unbelievably, he caught pneumonia at the Richmond training camp. And he actually passed away before he ever was sent to the front line. He was no, he, he had already been 
undergone military training. He was given the rank of Lance Corporal and he had a date to go to the front line, but he never saw it. He caught pneumonia and died. He's regarded as a, as a military casualty. Right? It's a different kind of mission, military casualty, this one. Um, yeah. So he, he was a Rangers player at the time and he's now uh, buried in a cemetery in Musselburgh, near Edinburgh. So that was my very quick run through some of the men who lost their lives. Uh, the next two or three names that I'm going to talk about were decorated for bravery during the during the conflict. And the first name I've got to talk about, who's mentioned in another podcast, so I'm not going to go into a massive amount of detail, who was a great Rangers winger called Jimmy Patterson or James Patterson. He joined Rangers in 1910. He won two league titles in 1912 and 1913. Um, but all the time that he played for Rangers before the war, he was actually studying medicine at Glasgow University. And as soon as he graduated in 1916, he immediately enlisted and he joined the London Regiment as a medical officer. Still a Rangers player, still a registered Rangers player, but he, he then went to the front line to tend the injured with the rank of major, which I think wow. reflected his, his, his medical um, background. Um, he then, God knows the things he must have seen when he was out there, but it was his job to tend to the wounded and dying for the next two years. And sometimes... He I became mean, known as major. Yeah, sorry, they're yeah. just going to gently cut in and just say, oh, the only kind of reference That's point, right. I guess, we have it is kind of films and movies and TV, but often, more often than not, medics can have a, a more hard harrowing experience. Sometimes they've got to deal with the, the intense Absolutely. agony and pains and watching their comrades and friends and, you know, like ending, you know, mortally wounded or like ending pain, etc. So, uh for him to be able to do that, and it's just, it's just some of these stories are just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So, as I say, he'd done that for a couple of years. Um, he, he was really popular with his regiment. Um, as I say, they called him Major Pat. He was awarded the Military Cross in 1917, which is a very high uh, military honour for gallantry. And I'm going to read you his um, what, what what the army said about him when when they, they awarded him this Military Cross. Or Jimmy Patterson. So it, says, it reads, under an intense hostile bombardment, Major Patterson hastened to the spot, dressed the wounded and cleared them from the road, personally seeing to their removal to the aid post. He then returned and cleared the dead from the road, setting a fine example of coolness and disregard of danger. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Jimmy Patterson actually came back to Rangers after the war. He returned right, so he in 1919. Yeah. He did, he did. He returned in 1919 um, as a part-time player again. He's, he worked at a local hospital while he played for Rangers. He actually played in another league-winning league, league campaign in season 1919-20. And he scored against Celtic in a win at Ibrox. Um, incredibly popular player because of what happened during the war. But he left Rangers in 1920 because he got a job as a as a general practitioner down in London, where he then became an an Arsenal player as an amateur 
as well as a doctor. I had loads of other stuff about him in his post-war career, but it's in that other podcast about the wingers. So yeah. I mean, some, some of these that. lives that these early pioneers and footballers have led is something incredible. It would be a, a practicing GP, and well, I know it's amateur, but even I've been playing for Arsenal, I guess, probably a, a full-time or whatever as well. It's incredible that these guys, you know, could, could yeah. do things. Yeah. So uh, the next of uh, those that won honours, if you like, was a chap called Finlay Speedy. Finlay Speedy was a really successful Rangers player. Uh, but he played for Rangers quite a bit before the war. He joined in uh, 1900 and played for six years. Uh, 167 appearances, 65 goals. He was a, a excellent Rangers player, inside forward. He scored nine times against Celtic, uh, including a goal in a New Year game that Rangers won the league against him. Um, he won the league twice. He won the Scottish Cup in 1903. He actually scored twice in the Scottish Cup final against Celtic in 1904, but we lost 3-2. He played for Scotland while he was a Rangers player and scored against England, scored against Wales. He was a he was a top, top footballer. Uh, he left Rangers in 1906 to go to Newcastle. He won the league there. He won the charity shield with them. He played in an FA Cup final. Uh, he then came back to Scotland in 1909 to join his hometown club, Dumbarton, where he won the second division. So by the time the war, the war came around, he was he was very much in the veteran stage of his football career. Mm. Uh, he joined the Argyle and Southern, Sutherland Highlanders in 1915 as a private. He actually he actually played for their football team on a number of occasions. And he, but he, he did serve in the front line. Um, he was actually given leave in December 1917 and he came back and played a couple of guest games for the Barton, one of them actually against Rangers. Then went back out to the front line again. In May 1918, he suffered a serious gunshot wound to his leg in France, which ended the war for him. But they were able to get him home. He went to Bangor Hospital for treatment. And while at Bangor Hospital, it was announced that he had won the military medal for bravery. That was the end of his war, though. After the war, he, um, he recovered enough to try one more senior professional game for the Martin, but he, he, his fitness was gone. Uh, the injury was too much. So he retired and he worked in a shipyard. For the rest of these days. That was Finley Speedy. Um, the last man I'm going to talk about that was decorated during the war um, had an incredibly successful Rangers career, but not until after the war finished. His name was Jock Buchanan. Um, Jock Buchanan actually didn't join Rangers till 1927, which is quite a bit after the war, which must tell you how old he was when he joined Rangers. Yeah, must. <laughs> So I'll talk a little bit about his Rangers career in a minute or two, but um, he was from Paisley. He played for, he he was just starting his football career. He was a teenager at Johnston Football Club and he enlisted in the Seaforth Highlanders as a teenager. In 1916, he was wounded in France. He had to come home for treatment. He was then sent back, sent back out to the Eastern Front, which was in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia... I didn't know where it was. I'd heard of it. I had to look it up. It's actually part of what is now Iraq. What? So, so it's a it's a completely different front to the one we're used to talking about. Um, in heavy fighting out there in 1917, he was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal for bravery under heavy fire. But he survived the war. He resumed his football career. 
started at St Mirren, we then went on to Morton. In 1922, he played in the Scottish Cup final for Morton against Rangers, and Morton won 1 0. Remember the 25 year hoodoo? Well, that was yeah, part of the 25 year hoodoo. <laughs> yeah. So he won the Scottish Cup with Morton against Rangers. He played with Morton until 1927, played over 200 games for them. They get relegated in 1927. But he was still um, impressing because he was selected by the SFA for a tour of Canada that summer, which wasn't official caps. They weren't given official caps, but they were they were branded as a, a Scottish select team. There's some Rangers players went along with him who came back and said to Bill Struth that this guy could do a job for Rangers. Struth signed him in December 1927. He was a kind of defensive halfback. And he played for Rangers from 1927 for four seasons. Won the league all four of them. Um, played 130 times. And he was a member of the iconic 1928 Scottish Cup final team over Celtic that ended the 25-year hero he played that day. Nice. You know, and he also played... A lot of games in season 1929-30, which is a famous Rangers season because it was the first time they won all four of the major trophies, the league, the league, uh, the league of the Glasgow Cup, the Charity Cup, and the Scottish Cup. Um, Jock Buchanan actually made football history though in 1929. He played in the Scottish Cup final against Kilmarnock, and he became the first player ever to be sent off in the Scottish Cup final. Maybe not. Kind of, and it was, and it was for maybe descent. Maybe not the kind of record you want. But... <laughs> no, it was for descent, and he was pretty. Hacked off with the referee that day. He, he, the referee sent him off. It must have been bad. Uh, he was only played to get sent off in the cup final up until Roy Aiken in 1984 for Celtic. He was the next one. That's that's something incredible. No, I don't want to veer off and anything else. Nah. But actually, quite send his off for really rare back then. They were really yeah. rare back then. Um, suppose, yeah. Jock Buchanan actually became a Scotland international at the age of 35. He played twice against England. Um, he left Rangers at the age of 37. They say he just won the league for the fourth time. He went to Winfield and he won the league with them as well. Uh, and he, when he retired, he ended up running a grocer shop in Paisley, believe it or not. You know whereabouts? So that... Sorry? You happen to know whereabouts in Paisley? Not I don't, I don't saying, actually. I just know he ran a grocer Paisley, shop. That could be a wee bit of research. <laughs> that, well, I can maybe, I can, I'll maybe try and find out. I'm aware of the fact that well, time's ticking on. I'll probably just get through the, those that were injured and I can't seem to get much further, actually. So we'll, we'll probably do a part two for this, God. Yeah. Um, injured in conflict was my third category. So I'm going to start with a chap by the name of Jimmy Galt. Uh, this this one's a bit close to home for me. You know, I live in Ardross in Ayrshire. Well, um, Jimmy Galt was born in Solcoats, just a mile away from where I stay. Um, and he played for... My local junior team, Ardross and Winton Rovers, uh, as part of his junior career when he was a teenager. But he joined Rangers in 1906 from Aldea Thistle. Um, and he was a mainstay in the Rangers team for nine seasons. Uh, Half-back, centre-back. Um, as I say, he was a mainstay in the team. Also, uh, he became a Scotland international Wales Rangers. He actually played in the famous uh, Hamden Riot Cup final against Celtic. Uh, he became a... Great friend and teammate with another chap for Solco. It's called Jimmy Gordon. He's a Rangers Hall of Fame legend. Um, he won Jimmy Galt won the league three times, 1911, 1912, 1913. Won lots of other minor trophies with Rangers. Occasionally captained the team. Then in the summer of 1914, he left Rangers and joined Everton. Um, now the summer of 1914 was just before, just when war was about to be declared. So he only got one season with Everton. 
that one season, he was immediately uh, declared the team captain. He was installed as the captain of the team. And they won the league. So he won the English First Division as captain. But I think I've mentioned a couple of times in 1915, uh, English football got stopped. So when it stopped, he came back to Scotland. He, he, he turned out as a guest for a couple of clubs, to Lanark, Partick Thistle. Uh, he actually played for in a, a wartime international for Scotland against England in 1916. And later that year, he enlisted. He joined the Argyle and Southern Highlanders, um, where he reached the rank of lieutenant. Whether, whether they thought his football leadership showed that he could be a leader of men, I'm not quite sure, but he very quickly became an officer. Um, unfortunately, he only lasted a year uh, in the forces. He, was, he had to be sent home in 1917 with severe shell shock, which I think, I'm sure you've heard of, is one of these one of these ailments that an awful lot of soldiers in the trenches had to suffer, all these explosions going off around about them. Yeah, it was so serious that he couldn't take any further part in the conflict. He was basically invalided out of the army. Um, his football career was ended at that point as well. Um, Jimmy Gold actually then had another career after the war. Um, he started his own business. He owned a cinema. He owned billiard halls with Jimmy Gordon and he ran a motor a motor car business. Um, he was a very successful man after the war, despite his his injuries. Uh, I'm going to talk about Bobby Parker. Bobby Parker played for Rangers for three years, from 1910 to 1913. He was a goal-scoring centre-forward. He won the Scottish Junior Cup with Ashfield. He was the hottest property in junior football. Rangers signed him. But he couldn't really force his way regularly into the Rangers team because Rangers had a goal scorer at the time called Willie Reid, who was scoring ridiculous numbers of goals. Um so Bobby Parker only played 22 times for Rangers in three years. He did win a league medal because he played nine games in one season and he scored 12 goals in those, in those nine games. And he ended up scoring 20 goals in just 22 games. Uh, but he got really frustrated at continually being dropped for while he read every time Reid was fit again. And he went and joined Everton. Um, in his first half season with Everton, he scored 17 goals. And then in his only full season with Everton, which is that one they won the league with Jimmy Galt was the captain, he was the top scorer in the league with 35 goals. He scored hat-tricks against Liverpool, Sunderland, Manchester City, Sheffield Wednesday, Aston Villa and Bolton, all in the one season. Oh, an absolute is. goals machine. A goals machine. As I say, Everton won the league. He was an absolute hero for that team. He was the top scorer. But unfortunately, the war ended football before they could uh, defend their trophy. He enlisted into the Royal Scots Fusiliers as a private. Uh, he actually came up north and played one game for Rangers as a guest player against Partick Thistle before he went to the front line. When he went to the front line in 1917, he suffered a severe gunshot wound to his back during the conflict, which ended his army life and took more than a year to rehabilitate from. After the war, he tried to make a football comeback with Everton but his mobility was still pretty badly affected and he drifted out of the game. He actually end, ended up playing in the Highland League. He then uh, went to Ireland to, to live. He was a manager for a year at Bohemians and he won the league with them, but his health was such that he, he ended up giving the game up. And he was barely able to walk in the last decade of his life. Uh, he died in 1950. And to Everton's eternal credit, they paid him a pension to his dying day because of his war service. 
that was that was very very nice of them. That was very magnanimous of them as well. That's uh, yeah. There's only going to time for one more story here, so I'm going to talk about Tommy Muirhead. Tommy Muirhead uh, was a teenager with Hibs uh, during the war. He enlisted in the King's Own Scottish Borderers. Uh, he was still stationed in Scotland at the time when he joined Rangers. So he joined Rangers in 1917 for the princely sum of £20, which must be the best volume for money transfer I think we've ever had. For 20 quid, we get Tommy barely Muirhead. A pack, barely a pack of cigarettes these days. <laughs> exactly. Um, he played a few times in season 1916-17, towards the end of it. But he then missed two full seasons in active service. Uh, and during that active service, he received a significant shrapnel wound to one of his legs, um, which meant that for the rest of his life, there was a chunk of metal inside his leg. They couldn't get it back. They couldn't get it back out. It must have been too complicated to get it back out. Tommy Muirhead then had the most incredible Rangers career after the war with this piece of metal in his leg. He won the league eight times. He made, he played three hundred and fifty-two games for Rangers. Scored forty-nine goals. He scored the winner against Celtic in front of 85,000 folk in the Scottish Cup. He played in three Scottish Cup finals, won as captain and lost all three of them. Um, he briefly left the club. He went to America to play in Boston. Realised he'd got it wrong. Bill Struth allowed him to come back. In 1927, Tommy Cairns, who was the captain of the club for many years, left. And Bill Struth had to choose a new captain. Everybody thought he was going to choose Davy Meikle, John, but he didn't. He chose Tommy Muirhead which tells you a lot about him. He only yeah. missed the 1928 Cup final because he was injured when Mikko John scored that famous penalty. The great Bill made him captain. He must have something about, about him. Exactly. So he stayed until 1930, as I say, one week eight times. Uh, when he when he gave up football, he became a manager. He, he was a successful manager of St. Johnson, then he became a sports journalist. And he's a Rangers member of the Hall of Fame and he's an absolute giant of Rangers. And he had a, a bit of metal on his leg all the way through that Rangers career. Seems almost pithy to try and wrap things up in less than you know thirty seconds here, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to do it. Doesn't seem. I know. I doesn't know. seem terribly we'll, respectful. We'll, we'll, but, uh, we'll, do, we'll do a part two. I'll finish the first World War. And I'll do the second World War in that one as well. Yeah, bro. Absolutely fascinating, David. Uh, hats off to these heroes and you know their personalities, their bravery, their heroism. It's it's beyond the imagination and. Uh, once again, David, thank you for sharing uh, your knowledge and information with us.